I wanted to, while they're working on that, I wanted to say this with the last time, but I saw an article, I didn't get to read it all yet, but it uh, was entitled this way, caught my attention, don't let this Easter go to waste. Yeah. Who are you bringing out to church on, on Resurrection Sunday? Don't let it go to waste. A lot of people are thinking about church, thinking about going to church. Challenge you to do this. Just go up to them with a simple question. Where have you decided to go to church this Easter? Don't give them a choice. Are you going? Just simply go up to them and say, where have you decided to go to church this Easter? Well, we haven't really decided yet. You'll get that a lot, especially if they haven't decided to go at all. And if we haven't decided yet where we're going to go, oh, well, come along with me. And you can bring them here. Bring them here to the breakfast if you want to, 8.15. Bring them out to the breakfast. And uh, if they can't make that, the regular service will be at 9.30. Of course, we have the sunrise service if they'd rather go early. Sunrise service and come on out to that and then come for the breakfast. Do that too. Whatever you can do to get them here. But don't let this Easter go to waste, as they said. It's a good title for an article. You do need to be thinking about that. Glory to God. Well, if you were up on Facebook this morning, we gave you our scripture that we're going to get into, as well as the, the topic. But uh, a long, long, long time ago, I shared this story with you, but it bears repeating. But there was a boss of a big company, and he had a computer problem, and he needed his employee, who was expert in it, to, to solve it. It was a major problem. They had to get this thing solved, and he was at home. And so he called the house. And a little girl answered the phone. Hello? He said, hi, is your, is your daddy there? Yes. Can I talk to him? No. Well, is your mommy there? Yes. Can I talk to her? No. Well, he knew that, um, you know, she wouldn't be home by herself and not un- unattended. And so he... He's trying to, you know, we got to talk to, to some. Well, is anyone else there with your mommy and daddy? Yes. The policeman. <laughs> so now he's getting concerned. There's a policeman there, and, and mom and dad can't come to the phone. And, um, and you know, so they're, they're, they're talking. And as he was talking with the little girl, he heard what sounded like a helicopter. He said, he said what's that noise? And she goes, it's a hello copper. He says, well, why is the, the helicopter coming in? The firemen called them. So we have a policeman, a fireman, a helicopter, and mom and dad can't come to the phone. So he's real concerned right now. He says, well, why is the helicopter, the policeman, and the fireman at your house? She said, they're looking for me. <laughs> Indeed. Sometimes we call an all-out search to find something that's right there. We put the topic or the title for this one, What do you do when God is silent? We've been teaching about discerning the voice of God, listening to, the, listening to God, hearing His voice. What do you do when God is silent? When God hasn't spoken. Have you had times in your life where God is silent? I've heard all kinds of explanations of this. Most of them aren't worth the paper they were written on. You know, that people have written books. You know, the wilderness experience. Have you read stuff like that? Everybody goes through a wilderness experience. God just has these times where he's not talking to you. 
And he just wants you to go through a wilderness experience. I don't know where they get that word because when the children of Israel went through the wilderness, God talked to them every day. His presence went with them at nighttime in a fire. His presence went with them in the daytime with the cloud. Moses was getting direct words from God. He'd come out from the very presence of God and glowed. And you call that a wilderness experience? How many of you want a wilderness experience? That's, I mean, that sounds pretty good. Water from rocks. Bread from heaven. Quail that just comes in and lands so you can kill them and eat them. I mean, that doesn't sound so bad, does it? Does that sound like God is silent? Like God is not uh, showing up? Well, last week we looked at Jesus when he came to Martha's home. Martha, of course, was busy serving. So busy serving. Mary decided to not serve today. I'm just going to sit here and just listen to what God has to say. To what Jesus is teaching. And so she sat and she listened and Martha was getting all upset and she finally came in and said, Master, don't you care? Tell my sister to come in and help me. And so we get to an idea of all the things that went through her, her mind. Looking at the three groups of people that were there, there are those people who wait for everyone to serve them. There are those people who cannot work enough and they feel that they are compelled to work. And then those people who can simply sit in the presence of God when it's time and serve when it's time. And that's where we really need to, to be at. But of course, we've covered that question. What do you do to Christians? What do you do to people who come up to Christians and say, well, that's not very Christian of you? We looked at how Jesus answered a similar situation. When the man accused Jesus, the man in the story, the parable that was there, he says, well, I knew you to be an austere man, reaping where you didn't sow and so forth. And, and Jesus said, out of your own mouth, I will judge you. And the people who are coming up to you and telling you what a Christian should be, out of their own mouth, they're going to be judged. Too often, folks, we spend a lot of time trying to convince heathen of the truth. You're not always going to be able to convince them of the truth. Jesus never spent any time trying to convince people of the truth. He simply stated it. And they could believe it or they could not. But what he did was, out of their own mouth, he would judge them. The Pharisees said and did things, and Jesus would hold them to the standard that they would hold others to, and they would come up short. Most people who come up to you and try and use your Christianity against you do not measure up to the standard they're saying that you should. Question, one of the answers, you come up with all kinds of them, but one of the answers we gave you, if you judge others by what you think a Christian should be, is God unjust judging you by, what, by your own words? More than likely, people are not going to keep coming up to you and asking those kind of questions. They stop with Jesus. When Jesus threw it back on them, they stopped. But you're not going to help them by giving in to their demands. That won't help. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. Then the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Widespread revelation could mean that God had not, does not reveal his word, or maybe there was no revelation as far as the truth of God's word being taught. More than likely, just because of the context here, God was not speaking to a whole lot of people. So you wonder, why is that? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. If you went back a chapter into chapter 2, you would see that the word of God was talking about Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, and the sin that they were doing, and, and bringing the sacrifice into a sinful place, bringing the woman in there into an immorality. That would certainly be a reason that there's uh, not a whole lot of word going on. But it doesn't seem like the people of the day 
are really heeding it. And we'll get into that as we, we go on through here. But we put in your outline that the word of the Lord is said to be rare. That would imply that other times it was not. So is this God's will? Is it ever God's will for him not to share? Not that we can tell in the word of God. So the cause is probably something on the part of Israel and not on the part of God. Verse uh, 2. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. So that's all the conditions. <laughs> that's a lot of conditions there. But he's saying, you know, telling you all these things. While Eli was, was laying down to sleep. His eyes were getting dim. He couldn't see as well. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle. Now, you all know what time that is, right? The lamp of God was maintained. The Word of God in Leviticus tells us how it was maintained. But it was lit at nighttime. And it was put out in the morning, at dawn. And it was lit in in between there. And they would tend to it. But they would come and they would put it out. So what this is telling you is the lamp of God was lit. But it had not yet been put out. So the timing of this to... to, um, Samuel, is sometime after the light would be lit, which is when it gets dark, to sometime before it gets light again, over the nighttime hours. What are most people doing in the nighttime hours? Sleeping. So what's Eli doing? Sleeping. Should he be? So time to sleep. Samuel's doing what? He's sleeping. He's laying down to sleep too. What he's saying here is, Everything was normal. Nobody was making any special offerings. Nobody was seeking after God. Nobody was making any all-night prayer vigils to hear the word of the Lord. Everything was normal. One of the problems that Christians get into when they feel like, I haven't heard from God for a long time. They start doing abnormal things. Well, if I need to hear from God, maybe I need to fast for a day or two or a week or two weeks or, or whatever. I just so I can hear from God. I just need to, to go and fast. Or I just need to pray all night. If I pray all night, then maybe God will, will talk to me. Well, I just need to read more of the Bible. I just need to put worship songs on in the house. We do all these kind of things. We, we try and change up the normal schedule. God will speak to you during normal activities. He will do it. Normal times. And you don't have to do anything special. You don't have to get God's attention. God does desire to, to, to speak to you. Samuel's not doing anything special. He's in bed. Where is he? He's a little kid. He's in bed. It's good. So Eli's lying down in his place. In other words, he's in his room. He's in his bed. Before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle. Once the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, they should probably be up. It hasn't gone out yet. And while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Now get the picture of this. Samuel's lying down in bed, normal bedtime. Guys has an idea where Eli is. Eli's in his bed in his room. And he hears this, Samuel. So he rises up. Who do you think it is? Well, it must be Eli. He may have been asleep, half asleep, whatever it was, but he, he heard this, he heard the sound, and figured, ah, I must be being called. So he says, here I am. If you get pulled out of a deep sleep, or if you're laying down, 
and someone calls, isn't that the first thing you do? You, you, you get up and you go, well, here I am. I heard you. You should be able to hear me. And then nobody responded. So he decided to get up and go into Eli's room and say again, here I am. You called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lie down again. And so he went to lie down again. Now imagine this, if you're, you're, I don't know exactly how old Samuel is, he's, he's not um, super young, he's not, oh, he's, not a, he's not grown up yet, but you have a little kid who comes into your room in the middle of the night and says, I'm here, what are you going to say to him? Go back to bed, <laughs> that's what you're going to say, go back to bed. How many times have you been told that by your parents when you're, go back to bed? That's what Eli says, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and he lay down. But this is an audible voice. This is a voice. This is not a voice inside Samuel. This is an audible voice that he hears. Eli doesn't hear it. Samuel does. Now, this happens a number of times in the, in the Word of God. One time I'll call your attention to is Paul. Paul on the road to Damascus hears the voice from heaven. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the other folks didn't under, they heard thunder, but they didn't hear words. But they're standing there right there next to him. It was just for Paul to hear. No one else had heard that one. I remember Brother Hagin talked about some of the times that he would be in a place, up on stage, ministering or things like that, and all of a sudden he said he would hear the voice of God. One time I remember he was talking about that he was in a meeting he's, in his younger days, he said he wasn't as bold then. And he heard a voice behind him. He turned around to see it. Turned around and there was no one there. And then and they told him something. That was that uh, the story of Sister Gray. If you remember the story of Sister Gray? When um, Anybody not remember the story of Sister Gray? I will, I'll tell it again if anybody... Maybe, one, that's one of the top ten Kenneth Hagin stories of all time. All right, I haven't heard it. All right, there we go. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Sure. He's bold. Sister Gray, of course, he was out of the meeting, and in the meeting, someone had come into the meeting and whispered to the pastor. Uh, Brother Hagin had seen that, and after the worship was over, the pastor came up to the stage, and he said, Sister Gray is very sick, and the doctor doesn't think she's going to make it through the night. We need to pray and agree together that God heals her and that she, she would not die. So they all prayed together. And after the prayer, they said, do we all agree that she's healed? They all said, amen. Every one of them agreed that she was healed. And the next day, they had the meeting. Brother Hagin said, I was up on stage and saw again this woman come in and whisper something to the pastor. The pastor came up after praise and worship. And he said, well, Sister Gray made it through the night. They didn't think she was going to, but she made it through the night. And the doctor said, it looks like she's out of the woods. It looks like she's going to make it. But she's still terribly weak. So we need to pray again that God would heal her completely and that strength would become, come into her body. So the whole church got together and prayed that God would do a complete work and that she would be made strong. And as they were praying, Brother Hagin said, it was a voice that came from behind me. He said, I turned around to see it. This is what it said. That's it. They've taken her out of my hands now. 
she'll be dead in three days. Three days later, she was dead. I said that he, he said this is his younger days. It's, uh, after a while, he would have just stopped the whole meeting and says, "No, you're not going to do that." <laughs> but he was uh, he wasn't as bold. He said then, and um, probably would have would have done so in, in that. But why did why did God take her? God didn't take her. If you pray for God to do a complete work, and then you come back and ask Him to complete the work again, that's not that's not prayer. That's not prayer of faith. Don't do that. Just because a body's weak doesn't mean it's not healed. You can put yourself through a terrible ordeal. Sickness and disease or just some kind of physical activity and be weak doesn't mean you're sick. Just needs the body needs time to recover. That's all that's uh all that's there. But there's other stories like that where he would talk about voices and he would hear it. Sometimes nobody most of the time no one else ever heard the voice. It was just him, but he said it was audible. You could I could hear it with my ears. It wasn't something that came up on the inside. And those things will, will come to you. Sometimes we just hear things and we just, we just know it. We just have a knowing about the thing. And uh, the first time that happened with me was when I was in a, a youth group. I was a, a leader of a youth group. I remember to, the, to this day, it wasn't audible. didn't hear it audibly, but it just came up on the inside. I was teaching at the youth group, and at this time we were all in big circles. Just a big circle, and and as I was teaching, the Lord in a in a moment showed me what was going to happen to one of the persons who was in the group. That's the first time I ever had seen anything like that. Had never stepped into that kind of a realm. I didn't know what to do with it, and so I just kept teaching. I didn't know what to do, but I knew exactly what would happen to this person. In a, I don't know if it was a, a week, two weeks. I knew it was soon. I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know exactly when. And I, I, I didn't know what to say. What do I say about that? I know better now. I know what I should have done now. But at the time, I did nothing. I just kept going on and, and, and teaching. Well, it was two weeks later, I saw the same person on the steps in tears. And just like that came up my spirit. It started. It wasn't over. It started. What I saw had started. So I sat down next to her. And I, I just asked, you know, what's going on? And told me a story exactly the way I saw it lay out. Exactly the way I saw it lay out. Now, I still know what's coming up. But I still don't know what to do with it. So, I didn't say anything. But I knew what was coming up. So, I, I said some things to help them get ready for what I knew was coming. Never did ever tell them that I, I knew what was going to happen. Because God's not in the, in the business of, of giving us these things to people to be impressed about us. He's there to help other folks. Now, most times that things like that came up before, I would be a, in, a, in a group, and God would say, that person needs to speak to you about this thing. Not an audible voice, but very clear up on the inside. And so what I would do is I'd work my way on over. I'd begin to talk to that person, and I would steer the conversation around to that topic or that kind of an incident that would happen. And sure enough, as soon as I got there, they would just open up. Oh, I was thinking about talking to you about this, and they would just talk to me about this, this problem. I'd give them the Word of God on it, and we'd go on. They never knew one time that God showed me anything about it. Don't have to. We don't have to be spectacular to be able to minister. God sometimes just will share things with you, and uh, you keep that to yourself, but you're going out there and you minister the best way that you can. Listen to what God says. But this was audible. This was a voice that he heard. Then the Lord called yet again. He went and lied down. Samuel, 
So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. Now he was serving before the Lord, so he knew of the Lord. But he did not know probably the voice of the Lord. In Second Samuel or First Samuel two and verse twelve, I think it I think I put it in your outline for you, it talks about Hophni and Phineas and how they did not know the Lord. Well, certainly you could see that with the kind of things they were doing in, in, uh, in church activities. Stealing from the sacrifice, carrying around with the women that would come out there. You could certainly see that. And he used that same terminology. But, e- but Eli had at least taught Samuel about the Lord. And he was in ministry to the Lord. But he didn't know the Lord in such a way as to hear his voice or to know him when he talked. So he comes a, a third time. And the Lord called Samuel again, the third time. Well, let me read the verse 7 again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He hadn't come to that kind of a relationship. But there's a lot of people in church, folks, who don't know the Lord. Just because we're in church doesn't mean we know God. A whole lot of people who show up at church on a regular basis do not know God. Just because you show up there doesn't mean you know Him. Remember what the uh, Word of God said? In the Gospels, Jesus has that group there. Depart from me, for I never knew you. But Lord, we cast out demons in your name. You laid hands on the sick. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. See, there are some people who don't know the Lord. There's some people who know the Lord, but He doesn't know them. What you need to do is be in a place where you know the Lord and He knows you. That's where we got to be. It's important that He knows you. He knows His sheep. So, verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Then he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Now, you can imagine Samuel. Just imagine your own kids. They get up one time. Mom, Dad, you called me. No, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. You go back to bed, they hear it again. Mom, Dad, you called me. No, I didn't. Go back to bed. Third time it happens. What do you think is going through the mind of that child? Man, I must be hearing things. I can't go back into their room again. Eli's going to be upset with me. I've already woken him up twice. Why should I go back in there again? But he does. This tells you how real... This voice was to him. Here I am for you to call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Now, don't jump on Eli too much for not recognizing this right off the bat. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. The Lord wasn't speaking to anyone else. He's not necessarily thinking he's going to be speaking to Samuel. But after the third time, he's getting wind of this. Ah, okay. This is what's going on. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The word, Lord, the word of the Lord was rare, so obviously he's not, Eli's not jumping on this. I didn't give you this in your, your blanks there, but probably knows of God, but not his voice. I don't know how you can minister to God if you don't know of God. But um, there was still a lot more for him to learn. So now he answers. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, 
one of the most important things you can learn from this, and you will see it in other places in Scripture as well, is until you respond to what the Lord has said, He doesn't say anymore. Until you respond to what the Lord has already said to you, He is not going to tell you anything more. What have you done with what God has said to you so far? Many times, people mistake silent times with disobedient times. You have not done what God said to do. You are not doing what God said to do. And sometimes our attention span is not what it is. What's that attention disorder they have? Um, ADD, attention deficit disorder. Yeah, before we just called them rambunctious kids. Now we drug them and we put a label on them. Yeah. I probably would have been called A.D. something or other <laughs> when I was growing up. <laughs> Who knows? They would have drugged me, took all the fun out of, out of uh, being a kid. I, I don't know what it is. I think that sometimes we just don't know how to handle them, so if we just drug them, then we're better off. But um, some Christians have this knack on the inside that they lose their attention span. That when God has spoken something, they don't hang on to it. They let it go. Well, that was a year ago God said that to me. So, what's, what's the big deal? Keep doing it. Keep doing what God said to do until God says something else. My brother Keith would tell us all the time, I've shared this with you, share it again, um, that he was told when he was going down to Ramah, after I, he was getting close to graduation, he was given these words of instruction. Help Brother Hagen. That was it. That was his commission. Help Brother Hagen. He didn't realize at the time that was going to instruct him for over 20 years. For over 20 years, he stayed there at Ramah and helped Brother Hagen. But then the word of God came to him, and it was time for him to venture off and to go off and to, to do some other things outside of Ramah. So he left his job there at Ramah, and he began to follow the, the call that God had given him to do. And one of the times he was out at a meeting, he'd flown out to a meeting somewhere, and he was conducting the meeting, and... This came up on the inside of his spirit. He says, you know, I never told you to stop helping Brother Hagen." And he said, boy, you sure didn't. I just assumed that I had left that and was going on to something else. And he repented immediately, picked up the phone, called Brother Hagen. He said, Brother Hagen, do you need any help? And uh, Brother Hagen said, well, we're going over to this meeting over here. If you'd like to come along, sure. You can always use the help. And so after they were done their meeting where they committed to, they got in the plane, they paid for it, they flew themselves on over, went over to the meeting uh, where Brother Hagin was, and uh, they helped him. From that point on, whenever the Brother Hagin said, I, I need help at a, th- at a thing, then uh, Keith and his wife would head on over there and do that. Because God never said to stop. Did that until Brother Hagin went on to be with the Lord. Sometimes we think that we move on to a new call, the old one automatically stops. That's not always the case. Not saying it never is, but that's not always the case. Think of an example in Scripture. Paul and uh, Barnabas, the Word of God says, Separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I had called them. They were already involved in ministry at the church of Antioch. But God called them to go on the road, so they obviously had to stop doing what they were doing in Antioch in order to go on the road and do the things they were doing. Because they were gone for a year, year and a half, Two years at a time. 
other people ought to pick those, those things up. So it doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it forever, but listen to God. If God doesn't tell you to stop, then keep going. It's kind of like being a parent. You know, you have a parent and the first kid is born. Glory to God. We got a, we got one. When you um, have the second one and the second one comes along, do you stop being a parent to the first one? <laughs> no. You still be a parent to the first one. You be a parent to the second one. Just because a new thing comes along doesn't mean the old one goes away. And the same thing with God. Listen to him. Where do we leave off at? Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel in which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Can you imagine that? There are sins that God says they, no matter how much you sacrifice, they will not be atoned for. Now, it doesn't mean he won't be forgiven and has no place in heaven. What it means is he was disqualified from the priesthood because of these sins. And he was going to be removed. There's other ones that had that problem too. Jeroboam was disqualified from being king. Saul was disqualified from being king. And God did not relent of that. They were done. They were no longer going to be king. They were no longer going to be in their position. They were no longer going to be in their place. There are some things that we can do with that, but certainly God had talked with them about it ahead of time and they were not listening. I already gave you this one, but I'll give it to you again. Until we respond to what God has said, he usually says no more. You've got to respond. Once Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears, then God opened up and spoke all kinds of other things to him. And it was a lot. I mean, for God, that's a whole lot right there. I mean, you know, most times we have in the Word of God that he spoke to somebody, it's, it's short. There are a few longer conversations, but a lot of times it's just short things. This was a longer one. And it's Samuel's first, first time. So you need to respond to what God has said. I put in your notes this, not just rhema or the spoken word, but also the lagos, the written. We've got to respond to both. If God has given something in his, in his word to us and we're not responding to it, why should he speak something new? If God has spoken something to us about our life, our ministry, the things we're doing, why should he speak something new if we are not doing it? We've got to keep going back there and, and doing those things. So here Samuel receives a word of wisdom. This is something for the future. Word of wisdom is something that concerns the future. Word of knowledge something in the past. Verse 15, so Samuel lay down until morning. It wasn't morning yet. It was before the lamp had gone out. And opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Would you be? Yeah. Eli comes up to him and says, what's happened? Well, God says you're going to die. <laughs> That's not a fun thing to do. I mean, this is not a fun first word to get from God, is it? There's some good parts to it, but most of it was pretty, pretty sad. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to you. 
to him, yes. So to think about this. If you just got a word, Samuel brings you a word. You know he heard from God. God was calling him. You finally told him what to say, and, and God spoke to him. And God delivers him a word and says, your house is going to be destroyed. You're going to die. Judgment's coming upon your house, and so forth. Would this be your response? It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Is it really something good for God to destroy the house of a priest? No. I put this in your outline for you. The word of the Lord does not seem to move Eli to action. God gave him a word before about his sons, and he didn't move to action. God gives him a word about this, and he's, he's not moved to action. If you're God, are you going to give Eli any more words? If you have the pattern that God will give you the word, he hears the word, but he doesn't do anything about it. Why is God going to give him anything more? We just have the few words that were, that was there. What if God gave him a word for Israel? Well, I don't want to say that. I'll ruffle some feathers if I say that. We don't want to, we don't want to ruffle feathers. That wouldn't be good. I won't, I won't say that. How do we know that this kind of stuff hadn't gone on? If this is the pattern that we can see from what he has received, wouldn't that also be the same kind of pattern? I heard someone say this this week regarding another matter. He said, what is easier to believe? That something that has happened will happen again? Or that something that has not happened will happen? What's easier to believe? Well, it's easier to believe that something that has happened in the past will happen again. So Eli doesn't get himself moving when God gives him a word. So if God gave him another word, what would he do with it? Probably nothing. So why should God send words to the priest? He's not going to do anything with it. So the word of God was rare in those days. Well, if the priest isn't getting the word, people are following suit, probably in, in that. And I heard Ethel uh, talking this morning about uh, Facebook and preachers. I don't know. I didn't see anything about face, uh, on Facebook about preachers. But then maybe I just have nicer people on, 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 my, on my things. I, I don't know. But I was thinking about what in the world could people... Then, then it dawned on me because I heard that everybody was making a big stink about uh, apparently Creflo Dollar had asked for some money for an airplane. Yeah, Brother Keith Moore, he shared this with us. He says, you don't know persecution. You don't know nasty letters until you start believing God for a jet. <laughs> you don't know what comes up of that because, you know, most people don't believe that what preachers do is, is worthwhile. If the head of uh, a company, you know, if your head of Merck wants to get a plane, nobody says a word. So maybe that's what uh, was going on. I, I heard there was a lot of people who had an opinion about it. I, my thought is, if you don't want him to have a plane, don't sew into it. But shut your mouth. I mean, why in the world is it your business? Yeah, that's uh, the thing. Brother Creflo is, God is expanding him, moving him to different things. Whatever, if God's going to do it, God will supply it. It will be good. So uh, that's all I could think of when she was saying that was that maybe, maybe there's some other people who are talking about other ministers too, but but see, this will get some, some people, and there's a whole lot of pressure in this country to get churches to stop preaching about sin. And the pressure will come on, and there's, there are many churches who will succumb to it, and they will stop talking about homosexuality being wrong. They will stop talking about the, um, 
marriage between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Or now we had the thing, with, uh, was it three guys who got married or three gals who got married? There's, there's no, once you open the gates, it's, there's no, there, there'll, there'll be people marrying their cats. There'll be people marrying their dogs. You have a person who wants to marry their cat and their dog. It's, it's, once you open it up and make it something that God didn't say it was, this is what's going to come. That's just what's going to happen. It's, uh, it's not what God wants, but it's what people will do. And, of course, they, they try and silence you by telling you, you know, <laughs> you've got to be more tolerant. They won't tolerate you, but you have to tolerate them. And what I think is amazing is how much good publicity the Muslims get. And if you are a homosexual, they will kill you. Yeah. If you were a woman and you were raped, you might die too. If you were a woman and you are raped, they could kill you. They abuse women. They, be, they teach. The, and they get all kinds of accolades. But if a Christian says homosexuality is wrong, but we still love the... We don't try and kill any of the homosexuals. <laughs> we don't try and, and burn them. We don't try and chop off their heads. But somehow we're the bad ones. And they're the good ones. I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. And then you have a, I mean, this, this comes from the head too. Our president, after Israel's election, went completely different from the way this media in this country was trying to portray it. Mm-hmm. Sent a message to the Iranians. Yes. Did anybody hear that? Yes. Yes. Sent a message to the Iranians mm-hmm. after the election. Who's our ally? Whose side are we supposed to be on? Israel. Whose side does the Lord want us on? And then uh, I also heard, I, I can't believe this, I couldn't believe this one, but the, our, our national media, our media here in this country, was calling um, uh, the, the leader over there, in, in, uh, Benj- Benjamin Netanyahu, they called him racist. Because after the, uh, our president sent people to his opposition, Isaac Herzog, they sent our, our president sent his advisors to him to tell him how to win the election. And what they counseled them to do was to go out to target Arabs. And so they were bringing Arabs in, busing them in to get into the election. And so when uh, Benjamin saw this was going on, he appealed to his base to get them to come on out. So he became racist, but it wasn't racist to appeal to the Arabs. It was a racist for him to appeal to the Israelis. Now, here's the real fun part. Where do Arabs and Israelis come from? The same dad. They're the same race. <laughs> How can you be racist when they're the same race as you are? <laughs> I'll tell you what, folks, take, your, take the news media. Do not let them in your house. Turn them off. Do not let them in your house. You don't know how ungodly they are. And anything that our news media likes... You should probably not. Just take it for granted. If they like something, if they like a candidate, you probably shouldn't. If they like a bill, you probably shouldn't. If they like a justice, someone going on to the courts, you probably shouldn't. You can, you can pretty much book on it. I mean, go over, do the research, certainly. But more than likely, if our ungodly press likes something, our Father God does not. Because they are as ungodly as they come. 
Let him do what seems good to him. God doesn't just do things. This is a judgment that is sent on because of sin. Pray for pastors. Pray for churches. Pray for people everywhere that they continue to say what sin is. Because if we ever get to the point where we stay silent about what sin is, about what the Word says, about what God says, if we get to the point where we stay silent, God will stop speaking. We don't want that. We want God to continue to speak to this country. We want Him to continue to speak to the prophets of this country. We want Him to continue to speak to the pastors of this country, to the ministers of this country, to the people of this country, to the people who seek after God. We want Him to continue to speak to them. That we will get out there and to do some things. Let the Word of God move you to action. Don't ever become complacent. Well, if that's the Word of God, then just let God do what God wants to do. That's not a good attitude to have. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Beware of people who establish themselves as prophets, apostles, and so forth. Beware of people who do it themselves. If they are truly a prophet, God will establish them as such. The word of God will come to them. The word of God will be spoken. And you will, you will see that. Don't, um, just be careful of people that are out there declaring, well, I'm a prophet of God. Oh, really? Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So Samuel grew. All Israel knew he was a prophet. He grew because he kept hearing the word. When he heard the word, what did Samuel do with the word of God? He acted on it. He spoke it. He did something with it. When Samuel heard the word, he immediately went into action. He, and this is the pattern he did all his life. So God continued to speak to him. If God has stopped speaking to you, then more than likely you have stopped doing what God said to do. Somewhere along the line. You stopped listening to him. How do you respond when you don't hear? If you're going around, well, I don't hear from God. I need to hear from God. I don't hear from God. How do you respond? First way we can respond is apathy. I don't care. Have you heard people, they don't hear from God, and they don't care? In fact, they think you're kind of nuts because you think you do hear from God. Isn't it amazing how many people? We were watching a, a show we, we like, and the, the main group of characters in the show, they're from a Catholic family. And they were picking apart someone because they heard from God. And I'm thinking, you're a Catholic, folks, and you pray to God regular, but you don't expect to hear from God. So a lot of people are. They have become very apathetic about this. I just, I don't care. I don't, I, if I hear from God, it doesn't matter. We get into a place of apathy. I don't care if God speaks to me. No, we should care. You should be passionate. You, want, you should want God to speak to you. Secondly is urgency. All right, I want to hear from God. I need to hear from God. I got to hear from God today. It's urgent. Immediate. And so we hear, harass God until he answers. Sit there, harass them every morning. God, I need to hear from you. God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to do this. God, if you'll speak to me, I'll read ten chapters in the Bible. We harass them. Just constantly bribing them, doing things. What would you do with your kids if they wanted a brownie and they kept coming in? Can I have a brownie? No. Can I have a brownie now? No. How about now? No. Can I have a brownie now? What are you going to do? If you say that one more time, there will be no more brownies ever. 
Right? Get rid of all the brownies. <laughs> that urgency, you're not, you're not following him with that urgency. You feel more of an urgency on dinner, not the brownie. But when they harass you to get what they want, what does it do to you? Gets you angry, pushes you away. I don't want to do this. Stop harassing God. If he has something to say to you, he'll say it. Father God, I thank you that you speak to me. And whenever I need to hear from you, I will hear it. And just go on. Stop harassing God. Get out of the urgency. Here's the third one, certainty. In this area, we, in faith, do what he said. When he has spoken to me, in faith, I do it. You can get apathetic. You can get overly urgent. Or you can be certain and know for sure that God is going to do what he said. Give you a couple examples in the word on this. Paul heard many things from God. How many things did God did God share with Paul? I mean, a lot, right? God called him up in heaven, gave him all kinds of revelation. God gave him, uh, he had questions from the churches. God would tell him what to do. God would tell him what to teach. Urgent, not, I'm sorry, just constant stuff would come to Paul. But nothing else came to him until he reached that point where he listened to the first thing that God was saying. Remember on the road to Damascus, what, is, what does God say to him? Stop persecuting me. That's what he's saying. And he had been saying that for some time because he told Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, I've been leading you in a direction. You've been going against it. And when he finally answered that and did that, then God began to speak more things to him. Moses was the same way. God spoke to him what? Be the deliverer for my people. And he didn't listen to it, did he? He didn't do it. He, he walked away from it. So after 40 years, he's out there in the wilderness. God comes to the burning bush. What does God say to him? Be the deliverer for my people. Same message. Why? Because he didn't listen to it yet. But once he listened to that and he became the deliverer to Israel, did God have more to say to Moses? He said lots of stuff to Moses. He had private meetings, face-to-face talk with Moses. It was astounding. But none of that came about until he finally listened to what God was saying. Joshua and Caleb, they spoke out about what God said to all Israel. The 12 spies went in. These two stood up and said, no, our God is well able. We don't even know that God spoke anything personal to them about that. We just know they were acting on what God said. God said, he's given us the land. That means he's given us the land. They're acting on a general word that was given to all the people. And they're acting like it was so. I put this in my outline. I didn't have room for it in yours. But if God hasn't spoken to you recently, do and keep doing what he said last. That's what you got to do. You got to keep doing that. If you don't feel you have anything spoken from God, do what he wrote to you. Because he wrote something to all of us. It's in the Bible. Go get that Bible out. Start doing some of those things he's told us to do there. You start doing some of the things that are in the written Bible, he's going to start speaking some more things to you. Because he says, that person listens to what I say. Give him this message. Don't stop doing what you know to do until God says to. New instructions do not automatically disregard old ones. They don't deactivate the old ones. Just because you got new ones doesn't mean the old ones go away. Keep going and keep doing them. 
What has God spoken to you? We all want God to speak to us. We all want the new word. We all want something that God has spoken to us today. But what has God said to you before? Brother Hagin, the whole time we were out there at school, you know what God spoke to him? Teach my people faith. And he let those words guide him all his years. Never, just, never, No matter what else God said, he never let go of that one. What has God spoken to you? Do what he says to do. There's some things in the Word of God. There's some things He may have said to you. But whatever it is, you need to do it. Some of it's in regard to ministry. Some of it's in regard to your physical body. Some of it's in regard to the people that are around you and how you're helping them out. Whatever it is, when God has spoken something to you, do it. If God is to speak something to you, what do you do with it? Oh, that was good. That was good. That's it. Guarantee you, folks. I've told you this how many times before. I live by this. If God speaks something to you, write it down. Write it down. Especially if you don't understand it. Whatever God speaks to you, write it down. You meditate on it later, but I guarantee you, you don't. You will forget it. And we told you many times, when will God speak to you? It's really, really, real easy to figure it out. God will speak to you at generally the most inconvenient time. The most inconvenient time He will speak to you. Why? Because He wants to know, is what I'm saying to you more important than what you're doing right now? Who's supposed to be number one in our life? How many times do we say God is number one in our life? God's, he's it. And yet we're doing something and God speaks to us. Hold on, God. Let me finish this and we can get... Mm-mm, don't do that. If God speaks to you, stop what you're doing and write it down. If you are sleeping and it's 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, I tell you what, it's a real common time. Because how many of y'all know we don't serve sleep, but we do enjoy it. And at 3 a.m. in the morning, you are tired, you are asleep, and then all of a sudden, awake. And God speaks something to you. Oh, man, that is good. I'm going to write that down first thing in the morning. And first thing in the morning, uh, what, did, what did God say? I know he said something. I know he said something. What was it that he said? I carry, I, I've told you before, I've told you just recently, I filled up my, my book, had to go out and get another one. I have one of those that's little three and a half by five and a half or three by five and a half, something like that, little moleskin. Ever see those little moleskin books? Little flexible cover, fits right in my pocket. I have pants that they fit right in and they're not, never in my way. And so it's always with me. And so whenever something goes on, I pull that little book out and I write it down. If I hear something good and somebody's preaching, I write it down. If I'm standing or doing something and God gives it to me, I write it down. We've got we to gotta put those things in. I've got to keep it around. God has sometimes given me an entire series in one sentence. He just spoke a sentence to me. Oh, man, that is good. But I've got to make sure that I hang on to that. Because you know how long it takes to, to work that up yourself? A long, long time. He just speaks it to you. Wow, there it is. That's good. Honor what God says. If you honor what He says, if you do what He says, He will keep speaking to you. Most times people are going through a silent time. It's because they have not listened to what He has said. 
Listen to what he has said. What has he told you to do? Well, he just told me to do this, but that's, you know, that's, that's not important. Really? Really? Yes, it is. You need to do what God has said. We got more on this. We'll get in more into it later on. But God, does never, God never wants to not talk to his kids. Think of your own kids. Would you like to go through some time and not talking to them? I know we all probably have, just, you know, because of distance and things like that, but we don't like it. God likes to talk to his kids. And the good thing is you cannot travel too far for God. No matter where you go, God's there. He is there to help you. So, do what God has said to do. Think back to what God has said to you in the past. Am I doing that? Think to what the Word of God has said to you. Am I doing that? God has said His heart is in getting, reaching people. Are you reaching people? As we said in the beginning part here, don't let this Easter go to waste. Find somebody. Invite them out. Here's the question you give them. Where have you decided to go to church this Easter? You can call Resurrection Sunday if you want, but you'll probably confuse them. Just call them what they know. Where have you decided to go to church this Easter? Well, we haven't decided yet. That's what you're going to get a lot of times because that's an easy answer. Make the, Help them in their decision. Hey, come along to church with me. Let's bring some people on out here to the church. Let's bring some people out here with us. Got all kinds of services going on. You can come out to all sorts of stuff. There's even a Friday night service that will be having, happening that week. But don't let it go to waste. This is the time when most people are thinking about church, Christmas and Easter. That's when most people go to church. Capitalize on it and bring them out. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that you do desire to speak to us. You do communicate with us. You do talk with us. And you have said things to us. Some of it in your word. Some of it right to our spirit. Some of it through other people. Father, we want to hear. We want to be attentive. We want to do what you said we are to do. For as long as we do what you say, you say more. And we sure want to hear We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go, we have some praise reports. You uh, haven't finished writing yours down. You have a little bit of time here because we're reading these. we got lots of praise reports. Uh, this one's from Mercy. She says um, she's complete, completely healed of an excruciating lower back pain and hip pain of four days. It's gone completely. Amen. Praise God for that. This is from Jolly. He said he found favor before his faculty dean to take a substitute course as my final course this summer. I would have, I would have waited till spring of 2016. So you're actually finishing early. Amen. This is from Mandy. She says she had some car issues on Thursday. A repair shop said they wouldn't be able to fix it until Monday. I prayed and called back, and they were able to get me in on Friday and fixed before the weekend. Praise God. Amen. Now this is from Josiah. He says he's learning not to let circumstances like hitting a pothole, which popped his tire and bent his rim, to take away his joy. How many of us have had that happen (laughs) recently? Amen. Um, Sharon says she got an unexpected gift from someone last week, and what a blessing it was. Praise God. I like this one, too. This is from Naz. He said, a simple thing like breakfast. 
I left the house early Friday morning and I did not have time to eat but felt hungry all this time driving to work just thinking about McDonald's. When I got to work, somebody bought exactly what I was feeling to eat for breakfast. He said he also found out when he got home that Josiah had left the house early that morning to buy breakfast for Sharon and he. So he had a double portion. (laughs) He always knows what we need, even as simple as breakfast. Amen. That's fun. Um, Susan says, I'm praising the Lord. She said last year her accountant warned her that she'd have to pay this year on, on her taxes, but instead she's getting a good refund. Amen. This one is from the Jacobs. She said, um, Phil said, they had a great four days away and missed the last snowfall. (laughs) This one is from Alicia. She gave it to me. Um, She says, for my school fundraiser, she made $408 raised for her school. Praise God. Roshan, she says, last week I was talking about the need to get to California and check on her mother. However, she also needed to go see about her grandfather who lives in Oklahoma. Knowing the cost that would be involved, I said, the, I said the Lord will make a way. Yesterday, my grandfather called and told me I have some news. When I asked him what it was, he said, I'm moving to California. I just said, look at God. And my grandfather, um, my t- I told my grandfather about what, uh, the conversation she had had the week before. She said, this is a clear indication of God being moved by our faith in him. Now I only have to go to one place to see them both. Um, and this is from me. I'm praising God for my healing in my arm. I'm actually further along than where Using I should be. It. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful for the confirmation um, that I received from Lamar. How many of you saw Lamar's posting on Facebook this week? No, he posted something up there just it's on the church Friday page. or Saturday. It's on the church Facebook page, so go up on there and see. Apparently God's talking to a lot of people about the same things. Like Ethel was saying this morning, God's getting us prepared. And I, I thought about something I was next door um, watching the children's church, but when I came over, you said that um, if God stops speaking, that sometimes we need to go back to where we were when he was speaking to us. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that could go for not just us individually, but corporately as well. If there were things that were happening before, and all of a sudden they're not happening, maybe we need to go back to what we were doing before we stopped seeing those things happening. Um, during worship this morning, my private worship, not here, um, I was really sensing that the Lord is about to do some great and mighty things through many, many people here. Um, that one song about leave me astounded, that one verse about open the heavens and let your spirit pour out, that's what's coming. And that's what he's trying to get us ready for. But, you know, in order to receive that great, I mean, you think about it, the spirit of God, that's not something to take lightly. Just like when Moses said, take your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. That's not something to take lightly. So take heed to the things he's preparing us for because that great pouring out is where the signs, the wonders, and the miracles are flowing through people who have been prepared, people who have heeded the call, spent the time, paid the price, and said, Lord, none of me, not anything of me, but whatever you have for us. Like you said today, we want to hear from the Lord. And I believe he's speaking to us, each and every one, individually and corporately. No more.